Welcome back to The Chosen Journey with Big Money Grip, Steve Carse and The Chosen Lawyer. And Steve-O, welcome, welcome. We are entering the year 2023 and so much is going on in the world of baseball. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like the holiday edition, right? Everybody's giving all of these contracts out and all of the guys are taking them as gifts. Uh, it's 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 a uh, it's what they call the hot stove, and uh, you know it's hotter than ever right now. Well, we had plans, Steve. You know the universe makes plans. I make plans. We jump on. You know you don't always know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and our last taping, you know, we had a game plan and what we're going to do. And the weather in my area decided that it's going to shut us down completely. And I had a power failure at my house for Lord knows an hour and easily. And uh, we were almost done that taping. We were so, so close. So it was going to come back. We were going to finish that off. We had a plan for another episode, but Steve, so much has gone on in the last 24, 48 hours that we are wiping everything clean. We're jumping right in because we got so much to cover. And, buddy, we got a lot to analyze here. So they give us a lot to think about. Yeah, it's been amazing uh, what has transpired over the last couple of days of 48 hours. Guys signing somewhere, then signing somewhere else in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, the, the the game is in a in a healthy spot. Um, they're giving out these large contracts. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest giver all is Steve Cohen with the Mets, who just is deciding that he wants to collect everybody that's a free agent and stack his team against the rest. Santa Steve. Well, we're going to get to Santa Steve here because today the title of this chapter is called The Curious Journeys of Carlos Correa and Trevor Bauer. But let's start off with this whole notion right now. I have a list of happy people and I have some unhappy teams, Steve. So right now sitting here, we are on the almost at Christmas Eve, right? Scott Boris, Steve Cohen, Carlos Correa, Trevor Bauer, and Michael Conforto, I will all say are sitting very happy at the moment with their lives. I'd say they're very content where things are at. I think the Giants and the Dodgers are very, very unhappy right now. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Somewhat fair, I would say. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, when you're giving out a $350 million contract, you want to make sure that the guy's healthy over the 13 years or as healthy as can be. Uh, with some previous injuries. Um, you know, Carlos had that minor minor league injury with his leg. Obviously, his back has been a little balky at times with the Houston Astros, and he's been on the IL uh, a few times with, with that. When you're making a long-term commitment over 13 years, and a guy's going to be 40 or 41 going into those, you know, last couple of years of the contract, if there's any slight uh any slight anomaly that is in a physical that a team takes, they're going to be super hesitant on that and they have to be comfortable. And obviously, um, you know, Farhan was not uh, completely convinced that Carlos was going to hold up over those, you know, 13 years uh, during that contract. And uh, obviously the San Francisco Giants balked on that. Touching on the Dodgers just briefly, is, you know, I think they have some bigger things in the works uh, for next year and beyond. I think they have a healthy team as far as, you know, the, the players that they have. And I think they were waiting for this Trevor Bauer thing to come down. I'm sure that they had some inside information saying that uh, he was going to court and this might transpire. And they're on the hook for some money 
uh, if, if that should happen, which it did. Absolutely. Well, I have a whole bunch of summaries and things and we're going to go in all sorts of directions here. We don't know all the twists. So I want to start off with, first of all, with Farhan Zaidi, the uh, Giants GM. Steve, if I had to give my metaphor, I would say he took the Giants fans. He's like, we're going to go shopping on Rodeo Drive. We're going to go to LV. We're going to go to Gucci. I'm going to try to pick up an Aaron Judge here for you at LV. You know what? We'll settle with Gucci here. We'll get you Carlos Correa. When that faltered, He's saying, you know what? Let's just go to Old Navy. You know what? There's plenty of great bargains to be had there. So you do not bring the fans, Aaron Judge or uh, Carlos Correa. You bring them back. Michael Conforto, by the way, is also a ticking uh, medical time bomb, I would say. So interesting, out of all the people, he picked him. Two years, $36 million. And the Rogers brothers, the twin brothers are magically reunited. The news has just come down the pipe right before our taping that Taylor and Tyler are now going to be sitting in the pen together. Taylor getting three years, 33 mil. They're trying to reenact the Aussie and Jose Canseco magic, I think, in San Francisco in the pen there. If I'm a Giants fan right now, Steve, and I had visions of Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa, I was on my way to go buy my Correa jersey. Don't know if I'm so happy with Conforto and Rogers right now. I feel like somebody has left coal in my stocking. How do you feel about this? Yeah, you know, it's just it's one of those things whether the bridesmaid this year, right? They went and they tried to get uh, the major players in the free agent market. Um, you know, a lot of strategies always, um, you know, put in place by agents um, when other teams are trying to sign uh, the players and and. I'm sure that the San Francisco Giants uh, were major players and really wanted these guys. But uh, at the end of the day, did these guys really want San Francisco? Obviously, Carlos Correa seemed like he really wanted San Francisco, but uh, he took off in a hot minute, didn't he, to to sign with the New York Mets in the middle of the night once uh, they told him that his physical wasn't, uh, you know, good in the eyes of the San Francisco Giants. So, Listen, at the end of the day, there are multiple factors over a long-term deal that guys consider. It's the city, it's the state, it's the taxes. Uh, it's where they you'll want to be for the remainder of their career. Is it a winning team? Like There are a lot of things that go into account when a guy makes a, uh, a lifelong decision in baseball since you have only a window of opportunity uh, to, to make your money. So... Again, at the end of the day, I just think they were left holding the bag a little bit. Rodeo Drive wasn't, uh, you know, uh, as good as they thought it was. And and, and the other players just kind of walked away. I think there are three examples right now of recent announcements that came down this week. And I saw them in consecutive order. And I said to myself, these are three examples that all these teams that signed these big long-year contracts, these big monies. Take a look at these three guys. Ask the teams that signed them at the time if I could get a do-over, would I still do it? And all three are a hell no. Uh, Mike Moustakis just got released by the Reds. Eric Hosmer released by the Red Sox. Will Myers finds his way to the Reds. And these are three guys, when all those three contracts got signed, I scratched my head, Steve, and said, what? Really? No. And I, I didn't like them at the time. I mean, all of them have their... Use, you know, had their moments, had their usefulness. But I say at those dollars at those years, I don't see this ending well. None of those three ended well. And I see a lot of those, the future free agents today that have all this shine on them that they'll be in the same place in the next five to 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. 
But that's what teams do. Uh, they're really looking for the first five or six years of these contracts, and then they will, you know, try to figure it out after that. And hopefully, it it plays out a little longer than they want. Uh, obviously, the length of the, some some of these deals really help them uh, lower the the hit of the luxury tax uh, with a lower AAV. Um, you know, but at the end of the day. Uh, Teams know what their windows are as far as winning in the next couple of years. And they're willing to go out on a limb and, and sign some of these guys. Obviously, if, if I was in the front office, I would have a hard time signing guys to long-term deals like this. Uh, not that they're not worth it, but in, in the eyes of the, the team and the owner, um, you know, they're, they're, they're making their money as, as much as they can. They have to give it out, but uh, usually a higher AAV, with a lower year total, uh, in my opinion, is is the way to go. And and I was just reading an article on this this morning, and everything's gone the other way: lower AV, more years. And uh, if I was a team, I'd rather I'd rather pay the high AV and go lower years as well. I think it just I, I sleep a lot better at night. You know, uh, Steve Cohen, uh, man to his word, said, "I came late to the career party; otherwise, I would have been right in there." Well, they're now bringing back. Bringing him in, uh, they got the they got the redo, and uh, Boris said Christmas is coming early to you yet again, and uh, they grabbed him. Now, I don't know if you've heard anything different, but my understanding is that physical has been done, but we don't have an announcement yet that he's passed it, that the Mets have made it official yet. So that, I think that's a biggie there. Uh, I'm going to presume that he is going to go ahead, and I think that it would look really bad for Boris, for Cohen, for everybody. If Korea doesn't go through with this, I can only imagine bringing it back to the table yet again. Then all of a sudden you got to go to Minnesota. Maybe you're signing a three-year deal. I don't know what's going to happen there, Steve, but I, I think he's going to end up in New York. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, Mr. Cohen, Uncle Steve is not hurting for money. He's worth like $17.5 billion. So uh, this is literally uh, a drop in the bucket for him to, to go out and sign a player like this over the long term. I'm sure that the again, know their books, know, you know, what they were or are going to make in a season. And if they're putting a winner product on the field, I think City Field will be packed uh, on a nightly basis for, you know, 81 games that the Mets play in the great state of New York and in Flushing. I mean, listen, you being a hometown boy, having grown up right outside the stadium, driving by the stadium, saying, I'm going to pitch here one day, you know, must be very exciting, you know, having the Mets burn brightly in your heart. And I'm sure Mets fans feel the same way. I can tell you, having been at the uh, stadium there, having seen Mets fans, it's pretty darn exciting. How does Lindor and Correa stack up to Jeter and A-Rod? I know those comparisons are going like crazy right now uh, with Correa moving over to third base. Are we in the ballpark here? I'll say time will tell. Um, um, It's a different era. I'm not so sure that those guys are exactly in the ballpark at this point uh, with those two players. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we have the luxury of going back and seeing exactly what uh, Jeter and A-Rod have done over the length of their careers and, and the numbers they've put up. And we, we only have the luxury of seeing where these guys are at this point. And again, you know, uh, Lindor's contract is, is pretty lengthy. And then obviously we got 13 years of Carlos Correa uh, you know, and it could be a glorious 13 years. 12, 12, now, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. Oh, it's 12. I'm sorry. It's 12 only 12 years. now. He had to take That's a right. measly, measly 315 yeah. million, but 
with the taxes between the two, I think he's okay. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, it's going to be 12 really good years in New York or 12 maybe really miserable years in New York, depending on how well you perform. I'm going to tell you it's going to be at least a good five years. I, I like the idea of these guys for five years where they're at. And yeah, I, don't know what and I think you're moving – him moving to third base, I think, really kind of helps his body a little bit. I think, uh, you know, it's just uh, kind of like what Machado did. And look at what Machado's been doing since he's moved from short to third. So um, he can play the position, and and we'll see. I mean, it's just one of those lineups that is going to be really hard to face on a, on a nightly basis. I bet Machado, if he could opt out this year, would do it in a freaking second. He has to wait till next year and next year's market. But if he stays healthy and produces anywhere close to the numbers he did this year, he's going to be opting out the second he can, for sure. Now, I'm going to ask you, because I went back, and I, I something was not sitting well with me, Steve, at all. I don't know. I had a bad feeling about something. So I'm thinking in my head, if I'm Scott Boris, I only have one question for Steve Cohen. I'm coming to you now, Steve, and I need you to pony up the 315 mil. You heard what happened to me in San Francisco. But I feel like you've done this before yourself. And I'm thinking of Kumar Rocker, your draft pick, where you drafted him. You had the opportunity to take this guy. You said, nah, you know what? I'm a little concerned. I want to lower the, the bonus. Kumar only goes off the next year and becomes third overall to Texas instead of 10th overall to the Mets. And then there's a there's a compensatory pick. The Mets end up going Kevin Prada, not Prada, but Parada the catcher with the 11th pick in 2022 and Kumar was very highly considered. So number one, does Boris have a reason to be concerned here about kind of the hypocritical nature of this? And am I measuring apples to apples here with rocker and Korea and their situations? It's a business, right? I mean, you have your doctors that you trust and you draft players, uh, you know, knowingly, that there may be an issue or has had an issue in the past. And when you draft them, you take your chance. You take your chance when you sign them as a free agent. You go through the your rigorous physicals, obviously, when you're making that type of money. And the doctors give you their uh, you know, professional opinion on what they see in the MRI or what they see in the x-ray or the injuries that they're specifically looking at that has happened in the past to the player. And then they give it to the owner. Uh, a lot of it has to do with insurance, to be honest with you. You know, these guys, uh, these owners have to take out uh, Lloyd, Lloyds of London and insurance policies on these big contracts in case guys do get hurt. So they get uh, a little bit of relief if, if they don't have to and, and not have to pay all of it out of their own pocket. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a premium to those insurance policies that the, the owners have to make. But those are calculated into their costs uh, when signing the player. So Agents know that this is part of the business. They don't like it. Uh, the agent does everything like Boris is doing right now to put his player up front and saying he's completely healthy. It's an injury that happened, you know, eight years ago, and there should be nothing to worry about. But that's what they have to do. So when a guy goes into another team and signs a contract like he did with the Mets, that uh, they feel a little bit more comfortable on it. So, um, you know, nobody knows what the medical records look like. Obviously, they're protected and. Uh, you know, once they go through uh, the physical, they get to compare, you know, where he's at now to what what had happened and and, and make an educated decision on on that type of money that they want to uh, spend on their team. 
And Boris has a way of making everybody seem rosy when they're signing. And then uh, you never know where the, the chips are going to fall. You know, I think of like for every Chris Carpenter where the Jays could have kept him at the time as their draftee was the can't miss prospect. And uh, they could have kept him for 200,000. They said, nah, it's on our budget here. And St. Louis says, okay, we'll take a waiver on him. He did okay for them at the end. And then versus a Noah Syndergaard where... You know, he uh, became Thor in New York and he bounced around a bit. Now he's going to try to reestablish himself with the Dodgers. We don't know. We don't know. As much as we think we know, we don't know. And, you know, people are predicting the rocker. Kumar Rocker is going to be a number one stud. Can't miss. And uh, I tell him, go have a talk with uh, Mr. Todd Van Poppel and uh, Ben McDonald and see, you know, where things head. Right. We don't know. Mark Appel. Right. Um, same type. Like. You just oh, don't yeah. know. Mark like, Appel, Mark Appel. You just, yeah, you just don't know. Uh, you know, listen, when when teams sign a free agent, they're paying for what the player has done. They're not paying for what the player is going to do because nobody knows. You're just taking a bet on knowing that this player is X age. He has these stats, and we feel like he's going to produce at this level for the next X amount of years. And we will eat the next X amount of years on this contract if we have to. So at the end of the day, you you, you can't control or know if a guy's going to get injured. You can't control how well he's going to produce. You just got to go on what the guy's track record is. I mean, at the end of the day, again, you know how you look at it, like is if you if you have a guy who's running around, we'll call it New York City, and he's had eight robberies are you going to bet he's going to rob a store again or are you going to say hey i'm going to sign this guy and he's not going to rob a store again like <laughs> like that's that's what you're betting on you just got to go by the track record of a guy uh, and that could be a poor analogy but yeah. uh you're just looking at the track record of a player uh or a person of what their character is is he going to fit and what kind of production you're going to get out of this player to help make you make money with your fan base you're the team owner. I'm the team GM. Okay. We're going to do a role playing type of scenario back in the day. I'm telling you, I'm going back to it and you can go look at the numbers. And I, I like what the way you put it, Steve, about having a track record, understanding what, you, what you got in the past and what are the probabilities of what you're going to get in the future, where the ceiling is at, where the floor is at. When I looked at Mustakas, Hosmer and Will Myers, all three players that I really enjoyed watching today. I love that whole Kansas city team at the time. You had Billy Butler, Alex Gordon, all those contracts blew up in their face at the end of the day. Whoever ended up signing them, they none of them retired well. That was just the feeling. And when you looked at what the what the ceiling was at the time, based on what they were getting, I felt like back in that day, these people are being paid for almost their ceiling in the past rather than what their ceiling in the future was. Because I did not see those ceilings in the future at all. You're paying for past production, which was never that exciting to begin with. And what are you thinking? It's going to double. It's only going to regress down, you know, and same thing. I will, you know, my whipping boy is Anthony Rondon. And uh, again, the angels, I think should really look at themselves in the mirror, whoever signed this guy. And I think that was a team owner at the time. It had to be because they're saying, wow, the Washington nationals are so exciting. I can't have Strasburg. I can't have Bryce Harper. Let's get the closest thing. Let's get Anthony Rondon in here. And is his injury records and his production at the time, I never saw it. I just never, ever saw it. Like Nick Castellanos, another guy. I, I was blown away. I did not realize this is a $100 million man. This is a person that forever was being talked about as a platoon player based on his splits. 
and love him as a player grinder and everything else. It's not a hundred million dollars for me. And so uh, looking ahead now, you know, there's a person that just came down the pipe last night and this is Christmas Eve of Christmas Eve. And Steve and I had very heated discussions last night, all night about this because Trevor Bauer is back into the news and Trevor Bauer just got his Christmas gift, so to speak, depending on how you look at it. So he's $37.5 million poorer today, Steve. And, but he is going to be, so he's losing the first 50 games, I believe, as far as pay into the 2023 season, but he is reinstated immediately. So after all this talk of everything else, Trevor Bauer, are we ever going to see him again? Well, Trevor is back into the news uh, and he is apparently going to be eligible to be playing in 2023. And first and foremost, when I look back on this and uh, we're not going to get much into the analysis of Trevor, of, of the allegations and, what and what transpired from a baseball standpoint you, you talked about history of what a person is what they was and everything else without any of that stuff coming down the pipe steve none of let's say none of that ever happened ever you look at what trevor's numbers were up to the point the dodgers signed him look at the media stories look at the stuff that this guy kept going out there and talking about with media with fans and everything else I said it. So they signed him, I believe the Dodgers signed him three years. I think it was 105 million or something along those lines. Correct. I said, what? What are they thinking here? This is not even close. This is a guy who said, I'm going to play year to year and bet on myself. I said, by all means, because nobody's going to be stupid enough to give you a multi year contract. And I'm not saying I'm against Trevor Bauer. I mean, you, you look at him and he's talked about the, and he analyzes from a scientific point of view, arm angles and everything else. The guy's apparently a genius with that kind of stuff. Fantastic. You know, it's funny because it's a million dollar arm. It's some, it's a, maybe it's a million dollar brain, but it's also a 10 cent personality. Maybe I don't know, but somewhere along the line, there's something that there's a giant disconnect. Maybe he's too smart from it and, and everything else, but he does not have the ability to interact with people and everything. And, and, and but still the Dodgers saw enough. And they said, yeah, we believe in this. And I sent you a couple of videos where they had the press conference and Trevor comes out smiling and really excited about this. I'm going to bring a championship. And I'm like, man, this can only end badly. And this is before any of that stuff came out. Yeah. So first and foremost, if I'm the Dodgers, I don't have anybody to blame but myself. I knew what I was getting here as far as this guy was a problem child from the beginning. And I made this for myself. Now I'm here. What the heck am I supposed to do with this thing now? So I think you're right. The Dodgers... I'm sure he was coming to that pipe because they had to make a budget because if they went and blew their brains out from a free agency point of view, now you add Trevor Bauer's salary to the mix, they are going to blow their brains out from a uh, from a luxury tax point of view. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it becomes a PR nightmare. Uh, every team does not want that. Uh, they do not want guys who are going to be a black cloud in the clubhouse with the media and the Dodgers have a pretty good uh, state of the media. There's a lot of people who cover the Dodgers. They're obviously are, you know, in a in a big market in a big city. Um, and the last thing the the team or the PR wants to do is every day get phone calls. Is hey, we want to talk to this guy. We want to talk to this guy about this. We want to talk to this guy when they're trying to overshadow and trying to sweep the the mess underneath the rug. So at the end of the day. Um, I don't know if they're going to chalk it up to maybe this was a mistake. We should have looked a little bit deeper into 
what we were doing when we signed this. Uh, but it all comes down to supply and demand, right? I mean, whatever position that a team needs with contracts that, you know, might not work out at the time, and it's all about timing, is if you're the best third baseman on the market and there are four teams when you're a free agent uh, that need a third baseman and they all value you roughly the same way, there's going to be a bidding war. Um, you know, that's just kind of how it is. And you're going to maybe take the most money that you possibly can get at that particular time. So um, on the Bauer thing, I just think that the Dodgers make enough money to where they can swallow the $23 million pill and let him walk and go do his business anywhere if there is a team that wants to sign him. So this is what happened after our discussion. Because the first and foremost, the discussion is, I, I come to Steve, we're talking off the air, and I said, so we agree fully the Dodgers are going to release him. There is no doubt in our minds the Dodgers are not going to go ahead with this. Good or bad, they're, they're through with him. So let's all agree that he's going to get released for sure. Steve Carsey, 2023 season. Between uh start of the year in April to September, postseason, is Trevor Bauer going to be pitching in the Major League Baseball in 2023, in your opinion, yes or no? No. Okay. I wanted to agree with you on a lot of levels here. I really did. I'm, I'm trying to. Now, this is what happened last night. It's 5 in the morning in my house, okay? All of a sudden, the TV in the living room turns on, almost full blast. I messaged my son. I'm like, hey, can you turn off the TV? He goes, I didn't turn on the TV. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And I'm thinking in my head, is this like a horror movie where, where the person broke in and turned on the TV and literally is trying to scare the bejeebers out of me? And I'm like, I don't know what to do here. So uh, the coward I am, I put the pillow over my head and waited till the sun, sun came up. And then I went to go close the TV. Somehow the TV miraculously turned itself on, Steve. So... Well, I had all these hours all of a sudden because I'm supposed to be sleeping. I kept thinking through and I'm like, I got to bring Steve Carsey some really good reasons why I feel that the Trevor Bauer is going to pitch this year because a two year, a, a one whip, you know, the arm is still fresh. You know what? Bring him in pitch, put him in a separate dressing room. Don't let him anywhere near the clubhouse, bring him in for his 30 starts. But the talent, there's no doubt. It's just that everything else that goes along with it, nobody wants that. True. So I'm going to give you three names now. This is what hit me, and I said, okay, tell me if I'm off base or not. Number one, Deshaun Watson. He's got a contract. He's there. If Deshaun's playing, am I anywhere close? I mean, I guess you can be close. Different sport. Um, you know what I'm saying. You know, diff different variables, uh, different type of people. Um you know, in football, as in, in baseball, I know there's still people, but uh, it, it's just a, a different dynamic. Um, I don't know how much players in the locker room when you have 53 players on a roster really voice their opinion. And the front office is on board with that as where baseball, and I'm going to use the Dodgers because that's who Trevor Bauer is with. If, Clayton Kershaw and Freddie Freeman go to the GM and say, Hey, we don't want this guy in the clubhouse. It holds a lot of weight. Fair. And Antonio Brown, if he was a baseball player, I don't think would have gotten as many chances as he did in the NFL. The NFL seems to be a lot more loosey goosey when it comes to that. Fair enough. A this Chapman, a guy that probably is not going to come back. Maybe he will. But, you know, also a guy I thought would not, I actually thought he was not going to be pitching again with all his legal troubles and they found a way with him. I, again, something to think about as far as 
are people going to slot it this way? There was one name that bothered me a lot. I went back and thought, now this past year, do you recall the three finalists for the Cy Young Award? In the NL. In what league? In the, the NL. NL mm-hmm. It was it was Max Fried. It was Urias. Mm-hmm. And uh the Grum, was it? No, I don't think the Grum, he missed a lot of time. Well, you got two of them, and uh, that main thing is you said number two, Urias. Urias plays for which team again? The Dodgers. The Dodgers, right. And, um, well, he had his issues, apparently, and he got suspended. I remembered that. I went back to look and also had his allegations, got a suspension, took a suspension. That was a 20-gamer. If I am uh, Trevor Bauer, I'm going to come in and say, you're releasing me. Look at Urias' numbers. Fine. Look what he, Look at my numbers. Yours is still on the team. Why am I not on the team? That's the only one I can come up with, Steve, that I'm going to tell you. I have a little bit of an issue with it. You know, where do we draw that magical line? You know, it's very difficult. And where do we say it's okay? And where do we say, no, you're never going to come in again. And I think Bauer, with the amount of publicity he got, I think will scare off majority of teams, if not all teams. And you very well could be correct that he will not be seeing another game in Major League Baseball. But if I were him, I'd say, man, the Dodgers, they did me wrong because look at Urias and Urias came back. Are all crimes the same? Is what Urias did very similar to what Bauer did or are they completely two different entities? How much remorse does each guy have? What kind of track record or character does Urias have as opposed to what Trevor Bauer has? So I think there are a few different things that need to be taken into consideration. And I'm not saying what either of them did was correct or right. They were both in the wrong and that should never happen. Uh, But you have to look at it from a face-to-face value of what each crime was committed and then, you know, how to uh, sentence that, that crime. And that's where I got to ask you for a guy who's been in the clubhouse for as long as you have as a player and a coach, because we don't have this perspective as laymen sitting outside in the world. You know, we're sitting in our sports arenas, we're sitting on TV watching this. When things like this go down the pipe, Steve, to help the fans understand this, when somebody undergoes something, they're suspended and they go to court, they go, even some go to jail. How important is it for the other players when they come into that locker room in that clubhouse, the level of remorse, what they say afterwards for acceptance? thousand percent i mean when you play with players and you know players uh you know what kind of guy they are sometimes things get heated sometimes things you know get out of hand and and whether it's a guy or a girl they make mistakes and how remorseful um you know does the track record say he's a you know two-time offender three-time offender now you're starting to cross the line and it becomes a, a character issue more than a person issue so at the end of the day, uh, the guys in the clubhouse hold a lot of weight on, on that unless the owner says, I'm bringing this guy in no matter what, deal with it, don't deal with it. But then when that gets out into the media, that affects other free agents who are going to sign with that club in the future. They're like, well, if he's going to have guys like that in the clubhouse, when I'm a free agent, I don't want to play for that team because I don't want anything like that coming near me um you know when i when i become a free agent if if that's a a choice that i have so um again i just think it's an individual 
you know, person to person basis. It's an individual crime basis and uh, becomes a, you know, a character issue or a character flaw for certain players that go through this and, and have multiple offenses. Or if it's a, a one-time deal that uh, they go through because it was uh, a terrible, terrible mistake and, and they let their uh, emotions get out of hand. And this, I think, falls into, we didn't bring it up, but it's the whole scouting versus analytics debate, you know? And where you, you've you always said you can't measure everything by analytics. you got to see what's, you know, in their pants and what's in their head and what's in their heart. And the, these type of measures, you know, taking everything else aside, if you take a guy like Trevor Bauer, if he didn't speak a word and was normal, so to speak, as far as personality-wise, and you see his stats, and you just go along the stats alone, Based on his couple of good years or two and a half years, depending on what you want to measure there, and like he, he was very crappy for a lot of his life, let's be honest. He wasn't very great. There's a reason why a lot of teams give up on him. It wasn't just because of his personality. Diamondbacks gave up on him. Cleveland gave up on him. And he wasn't very good for a long time. But when he was good, he was really, really good. And look at Carlos Rondon, right? We, we talked about Carlos Rondon. Two good years, gets you six years and, you know, a bazillion dollars, right? Trevor Bauer, I don't think it's far off, but it's funny. You know, here's a guy I'm willing to pay $200 million plus for, and here's another guy that I don't even know if I want to sign him for the league minimum. That's a lot. You know, like think about it, you're almost going to get the exact same talent, but on the same token of it, everything anybody's ever heard who's interacted with him as far as been with him, as far as watched him. I don't think anybody thinks for a second, he's going to come into a clubhouse and say, I'm sorry, guys, I'm remorseful. This was totally, I'm, I feel bad. I'm with you guys now. Like nobody sees that happen. Whereas a guy like Urias has a very good reputation as far as a team guy goes Everybody likes to pitch for him. Like, you know, one of the things why he pitched so well, I, re- I read about this, was that the team loves him. They play defense for him. They work harder for him because they, he grinds it out. And I just don't get that from Trevor Bauer. He's not a guy who's going to grind it out for anybody but himself. And I think that's where he's going to have a real hard hardship. If I was going to go to Vegas now, though, and I'm going to put down my money, I say number one, Padres. Number two, I'm going to put the Astros. And number three, the Rays. If there's any hope of him going anywhere, that's just where I see it going. But I, I, I as a GM, I mean, this is, when it comes down to it, something like this, Steve, I, I would guess it's going to be, again, an ownership decision because I don't see any GM that would want to put their neck on the line for this. Yeah, there's a human element to everything, right? And uh, I think you're 100% correct. I think at the end of the day, it becomes an ownership decision. And then, uh you know, whether you're going to sign that guy for what kind of talent he has on, on the mound as opposed to what he brings in the clubhouse, off the field, and, and things like that. So um, does any owner want to touch that when his bread and butter is the fans coming to the stands to watch his product on the field? And when you have a good enough product like, like uh, the Padres have, are you going to put a piece of cancer, so to speak, inside that clubhouse and try to, you know, curtail it from spreading. I don't know if that's, um, you know, going to happen. It might. I mean, like I said, the, the, the guy is very talented. He understands baseball. He understands pitching. He can throw the baseball. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the perception is that he's out for himself and uh, nothing else matters. And do you want to uh, inject that into an environment that you have to be around for eight months out of the year and for all his intelligence you know it's funny when i've and i've heard him speak as far as the science of pitching goes i'm thinking 
everything else being equal, I could see this as a pitching coach one day, but no chance, not personality wise. I don't think anybody would want him educating anyone. They want him near the young guys at all whatsoever. And that's where we talked about in a previous episode. He, be, he was even paying college students to wear his merchandise gear while all this is going on in the legal proceedings. And I'm thinking what college student with half a brain would possibly want to wear his gear? Like it's not something you want to be associated with. And that's where, you know, I think today's episode would tell a lot of athletes, Stephen, any sport, you could have all the talent in the world. You could have all the stats in the world. Injury report comes through that could affect your contract. It could affect your livelihood and the decisions you make off the field. You could have all the stats in the world. You could stay healthy. And guess what? You go make stupid decisions, you hurt other people, you injure other people. There's ramifications that go along with it. And this is not the 1940s and the 1950s where media would sweep it under the rug or boys will be boys. And no, we take this stuff really seriously. And one infraction is all it takes for a sports team to say, I'm not going to invest in you and I'm not going to risk all my other prized possessions around you. And the Dodgers would rather eat tens of millions of dollars and get zero talent back than have to deal with this shit show, so to speak. So I think yeah. that should tell a lot of athletes. And that's where I think, especially when they're young guys and they're uh, young girls and they're in the college ranks and then they're going and up, the, they get drafted. If I'm their agents, I'm their advisors. I'm like, I, I bring out these worst examples. I'd say this could happen to you if you don't Spartan up. And that's where, you know, we hate those boring interviews where they're saying, you know, there's no I in team and it's one pitch at a time and it's one game at a time. And, you know, God willing, it all work out. But that's a lot safer bet to go than to go the alternate routes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think you uh, summed it up pretty, pretty clearly is character matters. Uh, teams look at who you are as a person and what your character is. And sometimes they will sign that player over one that's a little bit more talented because they know what they're going to get. They're not just going to get, uh, you know, um, somebody who's going to go rogue on them, so to speak. Um, so uh, it's a nice life lesson for, for people who watch the show and, and listen is uh, at the end of the day, you just need to carry yourself like a, a really good human being and be a good teammate um, and, and, and try to, you know, not, it's not like we're not saying have fun off the field and, you know, go have a drink or two or, you know, go talk to uh, some women when you when you see them, if, if that's what you want to do. But, uh, you know, just have a handle on on what you're what you're able to do, what you're capable of doing and, and know that there's bigger things uh, besides what's going on in that particular moment that will affect your life. The reason why that rookie card is sitting behind me over there is because Pat Gillick and Gordash sat down and said, baseball IQ check, life IQ check. And I can tell you, Steve, for the amount of years I've known you, as far as uh, character goes, you're as strong of a character in life and baseball as they come. And there's a reason why you've been in the game for as long as you have. And I hope everybody that's ever been around you and also the younger uh, pitchers that worked with you, they, you know, it's that leading by example kind of thing. You know, speak softly, speak your mind, but measure it and, you know, don't offend people and, you know, carry yourself professionally and you always do that my friend and i have a lot of respect for that and i can tell you that i i think and how i conduct myself and i appreciate you know the values you set because i think in my head when i'm gonna suddenly say something or do something i say always i just say to myself what would steve Carsey do in this situation how would he react to it and if steve wouldn't do it i'm like nah, i don't think i'll do it either so thank you for setting a great role model for me for the viewers for your son kingston 
you're a real gentleman, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Like I said, I just, uh, you know, try to carry myself the best that I can and, and try to think through situations and, and decisions that will affect not only me, my family, uh, moving forward in, in life and, and what that, what that will entail and what that will hold. So I appreciate the kind words. Well, for Trevor Bowers, probably watching this episode right now, he's at home and waiting for his paychecks to start again. Trevor, go back and watch some episodes of The Chosen Journey. And when you're going to make those decisions in the future, sell yourself, what would Steve Carsey do? And maybe make better life choices. So as always, Steve, appreciate your thoughts and your insights into the world of baseball and life. And we've talked about many people's life journeys today. Carlos Correa, uh, Kyle Kumar, you know, my one person's journey changes. Imagine how many other lives change. You know, look at Steve Cohen. Look at Michael Conforto all of a sudden, the Rogers brothers. You know, Korea goes to San Francisco. These things are probably not happening. So all you need in life is one little variable to change. And all of a sudden, a lot of other lives can change as well in a moment's notice. Absolutely. Well, it was a great show. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family. And uh, Merry Christmas, uh, so forth and so on. Have a happy new year. Uh, to, to everybody out there and really uh, enjoy your families over over this uh, next week to 10 days. And to a great 2023 ahead as well and to you and the Carse family. And we're excited as we come to the next chapters, we're going to be talking about that famous NL East where I'm going to be telling you the World Series winner is coming out of there, even though I got wrong on the Cardinals, but that NL East looks that much more scarier. By then we will know, obviously, if Carlos Correa passed his physical because you know he's anxiously waiting for that. And as a little sneak preview, just because I normally don't tell you this, but I will let you know, Steve, all those lovely rule changes and little quirks that are coming up in 2023, you knew we we're going to talk about them at some point. It's coming up in a future chapter, my friend. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. It should be, it should be a lot of fun. Amazing. Thank you, as always.